Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Arizona. Good morning, Arizona. Welcome back to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We have a beautiful, sunshiny day here in Sunny Slope. And who knows, maybe we'll have a storm sneak in again this afternoon. That was quite quite a surprise last night. And uh, I was out of town for about three days over in uh, Florida, you know, buying trees and stuff, almost all the way to Georgia. And uh, rained a lot there, but it was nice to come back and see it. our clouds back again last night. Anyway, we've got four open lines. Now is the perfect time to give us a call. Give Shira a call at 60. 602- 277-5827-277-KTR. We can talk about the landscape of your dreams, your nightmares. If you're doing something different at home, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, we're up for all different kinds of ideas. And you could be up after Robin in Phoenix. Good morning, Robin. Good morning. How are you? Good. Is this rocking, Robin? Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> you bet. I have I have a black wall. Like a lot of people, it's hideous, and I'm trying to cover it. This year, I put in a snail vine, um, and by I don't know, at one, I think it was July, it started to fade badly. So um, someone told me to put a shade cloth off because mm-hmm. over it because this is its first year and it's not going to tolerate the heat as well. Is it going to be okay next summer without it, using a shade cloth? Robin is on the west side of the wall. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. It okay. faces um, east. East. Well, it should be fine. It, uh, you know, cool. when, as it builds more mass, it's going to shade and protect itself. It's going to cool the wall. And as it gets oh. bigger and older and more mature, how, how are you supporting? You have it on trellis or wires or how do you support yes. it? No, trellis. Mm-hmm. And it'll be fine. You I might want to, you might want to expand it out some. So yep. bigger than yep. the trellis, you might put some, you know, concrete nails in and some more wire to spread it out or a bigger trellis. Yep. And the more wall it covers, the more it'll cool and it'll cool and protect itself. And it'll probably oh grow God. quite a bit this fall. What about a um, violet trumpet vine? Uh, you know, they're not as hardy. The lavender trumpet oh. vine is, it's eastern, eastern exposure. How tall is the wall? Uh, probably nine feet. Oh, it's a big wall. <laughs> what, oh, do you, yeah. what do you have out in front of it? Nothing. So it's just rock, and then it comes to this wall? Yep. Okay. The whole yard is like that. Okay. So if you wanted to cool it off, if you wanted to grow the purple trumpet vine, if out in front of the wall you come forward five or six feet and plant uh-huh. some shrubs, you know, and if you, know, if you okay. wanted to be like a Suns fan, you could do some purple, you know, some gold lantanas and the purple trumpet vine back and back. And, uh, okay. But having a shrub out in front of the wall further so it doesn't get that uh-huh. fulcrum and all that reflected heat will, will help yeah. you a lot. Being on the east side is not terrible. Oh. You know, so there, there's a lot of okay. other plants that you can do on the east side. The west side of the wall will be much more difficult. And you'll probably so find that that snail vine will cover a 10 or 15 foot piece of that wall by itself. So, because uh, I get my east and west. So mm-hmm. it's against the west wall and it faces the east. Right. So when the morning sun okay. comes up, it shines on your vine. Yep, until about 3 in the afternoon. Well, it shouldn't pass noon or so. But anyway, <laughs> that, <laughs> what about it, a. Go ahead. Go ahead. What about a, my tangerine vine? It didn't do well at all. 
it, you know, it you will. Know, you know, it, it really will. will. Yeah. And, and if even as long as they're getting shaded from the afternoon sun, they will. But if you'll put some shrubs out in front of them, you know, so you take the reflected okay. part of the heat away, it'll make a huge uh-huh. difference. And also time will. Okay. As, these, as these vines build mass, you know, they're uh-huh. going to insulate the wall. And once they insulate the wall, it's not going to be near as hard. And if they happen to spill over on the ground and grow out from the wall a foot or two, let them do that because that's going to take away okay. a lot of the heat, too. But the, the, the real answer or solution is to put something out in front of them that breaks off the reflected heat. So they're only protecting the wall and something else can protect the ground for a distance of five or six feet out in front of them, and then they'll thrive. Okay. Okay. Great. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye. Uh, John and Mesa. Good morning, John. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. Question about when is it time to take out a citrus tree? Uh, well, <laughs> why do you want to take it out, John? It hasn't been producing for the past five years. What variety of tree is it? I, I'm not positive. I know it was on grafted stock when I bought it. Uh-huh. And it did for the first seven, eight years. It it produced some excellent oranges. Okay. But for the past years, it has not done anything. Well, I fertilized. John, I, I would suspect that what's happened is the rootstock has grown up, you know, and basically what you're growing now is mostly rootstock instead of growing the, the grafted variety. So what you need to do is you need to, you know, go take a look at the tree and look down by the ground and see if it comes up. If it comes up with multiple trunks within the bottom foot, you know, there's a good chance that what you're growing now is mostly rootstock. And if you can find a little bit different, you know, type of foliage on part of it, uh, other than the common portion, you might have to cut all the common part away because that's probably the rootstock growing up. And the one rootstock that really does that's called Vocal Mariana. It's a lemon rootstock that grows really fast, but doesn't usually produce yeah. much fruit. So if, if that's what's happened, then you could cut all that rootstock off. And you, what you'd want to do is just take a saw and saw it all off and then get the black tar type tree heel and just spatula it on, cover that up. And you'll probably yeah. want to wrap the trunk on what little portion of the tree is remaining that's going to be viable. And what you'll find is that part that's left, is any of the grafted parts left at all will grow very fast now because it has an enormous root system. And we'll come back within a year or two and make a much more useful tree that'll have good fruit. That makes total sense. Well, I try to make sense sometimes, John. I'm not always. I'm not always successful, but no, that's just something I never thought of. And and uh, thanks for the advice. Well, good luck. Yeah, go check it out. And uh, it wouldn't hurt to prune it all off right now because you'll get a lot of growth if you can just eliminate all the rootstock coming up. You'll get a lot of growth on the original tree. Now, you might not find any of the original tree left. Sometimes what happens is the tree will freeze when it's young, and the main yeah. grafted portion will die, and then the rootstock will all come back up. And that's oftentimes the case, but but go look for a little portion that's different. You should be able to find down in the center of the tree where it was grafted, and then these big shoots coming off the sides, and those shoots are what we're going to remove. All right. Thanks, John. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Uh, Joe and AJ. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Basil. Uh, Brian, thanks for calling. Let me call you. Uh, I, I want to talk about basil and how to grow it. Mm-hmm. And I I, I, I I used the basil, and I bought a beautiful-looking basil from one of the stores, 
and I used it, and I, I didn't use it and, and, and clip it all off. I wanted the stem to grow back from the bottom, mm-hmm. and it, it refuses to grow new stock so I can keep the basil root growing. You know you know what I mean? Well, I do. Uh, Joe, you know, basil's usually pretty easy to grow. Are you trying to grow it indoors or outdoors? Well, I've, I've had it indoors uh, uh, since the heat. Okay. Have you, have you repotted it into a larger pot? Yes, I have. And that's the problem. I can't get it to, when I use the top off uh, some, I can't get it to sprout new growth from the from the root in the, in the pot. Well, if you cut it off to the ground, it's probably not going to come back out. No, I know. I, I don't cut it off to the ground. I don't cut all of it off to the ground. Mm-hmm. What yeah. should I do? Well, you, you should let it grow a lot larger before you start harvesting it. You know, basil plants can get four or five feet tall. And I've got a friend that's got a basil plant that he grows in his backyard he's had for four years. And he's got the ideal location. He's one of these houses by the, by the water where the plant faces uh, southeast. And it's five feet tall on his basil. And as long oh, as wow. you'll keep pruning off the flowers when they come to, to go to seed, you can keep a basil for a long time. Well, what I would suggest is that you, that basil you have, just let it grow, let it get bigger before you start harvesting it anymore. You might get two or three, and uh, you know we'll have a lot of basil available at the nurseries here. You know, as transplants uh, come the middle of September, so at, at okay. that time, you know, you can buy two or three different, and you can grow different types of basil. And uh, but basil is a great plant where you can you know harvest some of it and keep growing the plant. But I think you're just harvesting it a little too hard, Joe. When you harvest it, should you take all of that, all of that, uh, uh, what, what, what you're going to use off down to the root? Or should no, you no, you should, le- you should leave the stems and take the leaves off the side, and it'll grow a lot healthier and happier that way. So if you'll leave the shoots kind of coming up, you know, as they come up, take the leaves off the side, leave the top ones and leave the bottom ones, uh, the plant will grow, you know, more foliage out that way and a lot faster. But when you when you prune them back too hard or when you harvest too much basil, it really hurts the plant. So you got to let it just get bigger before you harvest that much. Oh, okay. And, uh, Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Joe. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we have four lines available again. We have Shira back here smiling. Give her a call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far
right, folks. This beautiful Sunday morning. A little Paul McCartney for us there. Uh, let's see. Looks like we have uh, three lines. Of, oh, two lines available. One just started ringing. The number to call, 602-277-5827. 277-KTR. Give Shira a call, and you could be up in just a few moments here in the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM. KTAR. Robert and Scottsdale, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Got a couple questions. They got a bottle palm, real tall, nice looking bottle palm. It's over about, uh, it's all, the problem is it's all trunk. Mm-hmm. The head's like uh, over 10 feet tall. And I was trying to get it to maybe make some, preferably multi heads uh-huh. or. Do I just whack it halfway down? And not <laughs> you it? got it, Robert. Just <laughs> whack it. Uh, now, the best time to really do that would probably be in the spring. Um, Springtime. Yeah, but but you can take your get out your machete or your sword, and uh, you know put on your cape. And go after it, yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you I, really can't. And you could take one that's really usually they grow real tall and is single, you know, trunk. If they don't get a lot of sunlight, you know, so if they're more shaded, okay. they're gonna they're gonna stretch more. Yeah, this one's it's in a bowl, mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, I've got a pretty tall wall. It's like a nine foot wall, and it's peaking well above that. Okay, but so, I also tried like a restricting band, like a zip tie, and that didn't seem to do anything. I thought, no, if I you want it to branch, I would just cut it off, and it, it'll branch at whatever portion, you know, wherever you cut it. The best time to yeah. cut it would probably be the first of March, and March, uh, okay. just make a nice clean cut. You can do it with a sawzall, or you know, like I say, you get out your, your big machete, whack! But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was at my mom's house last Sunday, and I wanted to trim a couple branches on hers, and she told me it would be, be my death if I did. So, <laughs> but, another question: um, um, I got a little dwarf grapefruit, and I got a friend that has a, a blood orange. Mm-hmm. Would that would that graft okay on there, or is it too late to graft? No, you can you can graft onto it. I mean, it would be no problem. Blood oranges here usually aren't very consistent or very you know good producers. Um, but if you wanted yeah, to add so. some buds for your from your you know onto your blood orange, you, I mean, blood orange onto your grapefruit, you could. Now would be a great time to do it, Robert. You know, if you oh, can okay. find some healthy buds and, and find uh, something smaller to bud into. And or, uh, or what else would you recommend, like a uh, regular orange or? Uh, well, I mean, if it were me, I'm I'm kind of fond of Caracara navels, which is a red navel. That uh, oh, okay. you know, and it's gets red in the inside, but it doesn't really taste like a blood orange. It tastes more like a navel. Yeah. But a caracara navel, if you want something, it's going to be a red color, but produce you know more prolifically and, and a good quality fruit. That's what I would use. Yeah, and and my wife wants to know, like, um, we're trying to help rescue the uh, uh, butterflies mm-hmm. and the milkweed. Mm-hmm. The milkweed is there a best variety for the Arizona? Uh, well, there's tropical and desert milkweed and they both work very well. In fact, if you have room, I just still grow some of both because they have different cycles. And uh, oh, okay. You know, the desert milkweed and, and, and the tropical milkweed are good. And another really good one's passion vine. Um, you know, butterflies just okay. love them. Now, you, you got to realize that when we're planting these, these are butterfly fodder, so the butterflies are going to come and, you know, devour our plants. But, you know, that's the purpose of putting in there. But it, it really does help the butterfly population to have these plants growing in our garden. 
Okay. What does a passion vine takes what shade though, right? No, it'll grow in, you know, pretty much, you know, south side or east side, eastern exposure. It won't work well in the western exposure, but south yeah. or east, it does well. And it's been a beautiful flower. There's even some fruit, fruiting varieties, but uh, we have a red one and a purple one, and they both do well, but the butterflies love them. <laughs> Not the butterflies, the caterpillars are what love them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just uh, uh, scissored a couple of those uh, green, green horned worms. Mm Mm-hmm. Those big fat things, about as big as a finger. <laughs> well, you know, I can recall with this monsoon season, I grew up right up from where our studio is here in Sunny Slope. And I can remember yeah. that sometimes in monsoon storms, they would wash so many caterpillars off the mountain that at the end of our street in Sunny Slope, they would pile oh, yeah. up a foot high. You know, there was right. like four yeah, inches. Well, no, this, the street literally turns green. Oh, yeah. No, they were, they were pretty unbelievable. It was just like that. It seems like... Uh, what, either last year or the year before, near Fountain Hills area, there was uh, the first lane. You know, they couldn't get quite past the first lane. <laughs> the, <second> lane. <laughs> the first lane was green. Well, ours would typically wash down the street, you know, in a monsoon storm and pile up at the end of the street. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then one more question for you, Brian. Yes, sir. Um, ortho products. What is the one I do not want to have? Because I got a couple bottles at Mom's house. Uh-huh. And I don't want somebody to get proactive and uh, well. What, use it what, what you really don't want to use, you want like that's called ground clear or any of those things. Anything that's supposed to have a residual, you know, as far as a contact herbicide with a residual, is probably not good. And um, okay. you know, I, I know even the there's a lot of companies making chemicals like that for the ease now, but you're way safer using a contact herbicide like glyphosate and then okay. using a pre-emergent. Okay, so the pre-emergent's the the safest thing to use, and that's gonna you know, it's going to change some cycles. You know, all chemicals are going to have some effects on things, but it's not going to have the long-term detrimental effects that anything, you know, there's Pramatol, there's a lot of other different ones, but Ortho Ground Clear is one bad one that, um, you know, I've just seen a lot of customers when I go out and see things where they've used this product and it's stunted their landscape and their whole yard. Right, yeah, that's what I want to avoid. You know, go to kill grass in your grapefruit tree drive. Yeah, that's not a good thing. (laughs) That's why I really, I mean, you know, glyphosate and Roundup get kind of a bad thing, but they're just a big target for a lot of lawsuits. But used properly, you know, our ag in the world wouldn't be the same without glyphosate. Yeah, very true. Well, thanks, Robert. Have a nice weekend. Yes, thank you very much for the information. Bye-bye. Rita and Gilbert, good morning, Rita. Good morning, Brian. Um, our entryway faces north, and I'd like to plant something in there that would grow or stay alive, but it seems that because of the lack of sun, uh-huh. I can't get flowers to last very long in there, and I've tried for so long. So I had an idea. I have a two concrete planters that there. I'm going to take those out. And plant, I'm thinking planting cactus in there, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like maybe three on one side, four on the other. What What do you think of that? Well, there are a lot of cactus that will grow in pretty low light because there are ones that naturally occur, you know, in areas under big trees. In fact, almost all things, even saguaros, start off in the shade of a bigger tree. So there are mm-hmm. a lot of cactus that will do quite well in the shade and a lot of other succulent-type plants that will. And as long as you get away from the idea of having flowers, I mean, flowers are difficult. There's not many plants that bloom well in the shade. Yeah. But you can go yeah. tropical or you could go to like a cactus type of plant. So whether you 
wanted to plant like a little lady palm, which is a raphis palm, which grows with multiple little stalks and that's deep green foliage. Or if you wanted to plant, you know, a lot of different varieties of cactus. I mean, the most amazing Ooh. plant I think we have at the nursery is elephant food. And it grows in full hot sun. Oh, I bought that at your nursery when I was there um, doing my backyard. I bought some of that and some of a bunch of other things I bought. Well, and a lot of those plants, like the, the elephant food, will grow just about anywhere. It'll grow in, in low light or it'll grow in intense light. Mm-hmm. But I, I would like to have something that's standing up. Mm-hmm. And the area is um, eight feet long on one side, and the other side is 10 feet long. And it's in uh, 24 inch wide on the bottom. Well, you might even look at planting something like a giant lady slipper, you know, which is a plant that grows up from stalks, and uh, mm-hmm. more of a succulent type plant can grow to six feet tall pretty easily, and mm-hmm. uh, probably won't ever flower in that location, but it'll grow very I don't well. Care. That's okay. And there's some euphorbias that you could plant that have red foliage, so you can plant a lot of plants where instead of getting color from the blooms, you can gain it from the foliage, and mm-hmm. even some okay. of the house plants like the dracaena family, almost all the Dracaenas will thrive in that location. Okay. Okay, great. Then I have somewhere to start. Yeah, come out and see us, Rita. If you talk to, you know, Gabriel or Jennifer there at the Nursery Gilbert, and there's a lot more staff there, too, that are very knowledgeable, and they can show you all different kinds of things that will work there. Lucas helped me with uh, my a pretty fantastic young man. (laughs) He was great. I even gave him a hug before I left. (laughs) Well, I'm sure he appreciated it, Rita. (laughs) Okay, Brian, thanks a lot for your help. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Uh, Janet in Peoria. Good morning, Janet. Hi there. Um, My husband uh, had a great idea. We have a new great-grandson. He's the cutest little thing you ever saw, but that's beside the point. Um, He said, why don't we, for his first birthday, get a tree and plant it and watch it grow as he grows? We went and um, bought an ironwood uh, yesterday or the day before. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Um, what I want to know is, they're going to come out on the ninth and plant that. Would it be worthwhile to have them ask? She, I should clarify. She lives in Moon Valley, and that's mm-hmm. where the tree is going to be planted. Would it be worthwhile to have them put some extra potting soil in there or something? Because that soil is not good there. Uh, where do they live in Moon Valley, Janet? Uh, 12th Street and uh, closer to, well, in between Thunderbird and, and I'm trying to say, Greenway. Uh, that soil's not terrible. You know, unless they're up by the mountains where it's rocky, most of that soil, there's a lot of yeah. heavy clay in there, which is yeah, fine. No. And the ironwood, this is the perfect type of year to plant it. Are they on the side of a hill where it's rocky? Is that yeah. your concern? Rocky's not going to hurt. Oh, you know, it not, okay. not for an ironwood tree. I mean, when you look where ironwoods grow naturally, they grow typically around washes and arroyos in rockier areas. And so it should thrive there. And that would be a great choice if you have a rockier soil. And this is the perfect time of year to plant an ironwood. There couldn't be a better time to plant one than right now. Okay, good. Because she's notorious for having a brown thumb. So. <laughs> well, it's a good time of year, and ironwood's a fairly hardy choice. If you wanted something to grow bigger, you might try like an American mesquite, and it's going to grow a lot yeah. faster. But if you like the, the texture and you know the, the look of an ironwood, then I, I would, now would be a perfect time to plant one. 
Yeah, I don't know why she picked the Ironwood. <laughs> well, we, we all have our different dreams. Yeah. So you don't think it's necessary to have them put in some additional uh, potting soil? No, or no it probably anything. wouldn't even be beneficial. Not with an Ironwood tree. Okay. And, and, okay. and good drainage, if the ground's a little rocky, that's actually ideal for an Ironwood. Okay, I was just going to say, okay, what do we do? Uh, how does she take care of it? Well, pretty much if it's our crew planting it, they're going to dig a hole, they're going to plant the yes. tree, they're going to throw some fertilizer tabs in it. And so really all she has to do beyond that's water it. And they'll recommend for her to water it probably twice a week or more when it's first planted. And then after, you know, the, say by October, then they could water it once a week. And then really in December, January, February, it doesn't need much water at all once every couple weeks is plenty and uh, if you want it to grow faster next next spring once it leaves out like in May and that's kind of like ironwood spring and right after they bloom uh, then go ahead and fertilize it and they could fertilize it once a month and water it pretty heavy in the summer if they water it weekly in the summertime fertilize it once a month it'll grow much faster Okay, a month. I'm trying to get this all down because I won't remember it. Well, here's the thing, Janet. Everything I tell you on the radio is all recorded in the podcast, so you can go this afternoon. And this afternoon, Shiro will have downloaded this all onto the podcast. So if you go to the Woodfield Nursery at KTAR, uh, then you can pull up this conversation and hear it all again. In the meantime, i got to let you go because it's time for Heidi in the News. We'll be right back after the news with Heidi here with the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. Hope you have a good time. Get, you get up at four o'clock in the morning and you do the news stuff, and then yeah, it's going to be yeah. I hope a concert goes late. <laughs> well, welcome back, folks, to the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. We do have two lines available. You can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827. 277-KTAR. Frank and Phoenix. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Brian. Hey, uh, I, you know, I want your opinion on something. This uh, this past spring, I planted two very small citrus trees kind of almost in the same hole. And I have a, uh, a Mexican lime that doesn't produce fruit, so I'm thinking about putting it in that same hole, and I'm wondering what your advice might be on that. Why do you want to grow a Mexican lime that doesn't produce fruit? Well, it, it starts out... it. it it has all the little fruits, but then they all fall away. Is it so a thorn? Is it a thorn? It is it a thornless can. Mexican lime? No, no, it's it's plenty thorn. Okay, it, it then, then it should be fine. With the fruit, 
Okay. Yeah, it starts out with little BBs, but then they all drop. Well, I mean, the big, biggest percent of most citrus do, do you know do drop, and if the tree's young, that wouldn't be unusual. I was just trying to make sure you weren't going to grow one of the ones that's thornless and seedless and fruitless. But at any rate, no. um, if you want to grow them all in a cluster, and if you have a limited space, I mean, that certainly can be done. You're going to have to prune the trees, you know, so that you can get some fruit on each one. You're going to have dominant varieties. If you have a lemon in there, you're going to have mostly lemon. And if you have a lime, it's going to outgrow oranges. So... You know, it depends on what varieties you have mixed together, what rootstocks they're on, how they're going to do. Okay, yeah, because I kind of wanted to do like a kind of unofficial uh, cocktail tree. Well, it'll be official. Then. I mean, it'll be a cocktail tree. you got them all growing together, so that's fine. And it doesn't matter that yeah. they come off of one trunk or not. And, uh, you know, you'll just have to keep them pruned somewhat for compatibility. But that should be fine, okay. Frank. There's no reason you can't do that. Okay, I'll give it a try. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Jeff in Tempe. Good morning, Jeff. Hey, good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. I uh, I have a customer who is really trying hard to grow pink trumpet vines. Unfortunately, it is on the west side of the fence. And I don't I don't know if I should tell her that we need to build a, a trellis or something like that over that. Um, but these guys are just not, they're not doing well. No, it's just too hot. Um, okay. So you can, you know, you could do something to plant further west of it to shade it if you wanted to, or you could plant it on the east side of the fence and let it grow and hang over the west side of the fence. But so what, what she's done is she's uh, she's extended her seven foot block wall and put up some some lattice, mm-hmm. and uh, her goal is to kind of weave those through and kind of cover up the wall, if you will. Okay. Um, like I said, unfortunately, it is on the west side of the house. The the sun exposure is pretty brutal. I'm wondering if we, because they died, if we put in new ones. You know, maybe in September, let them kind of get established. If that would be successful, come around next summer. You know, not necessarily. What's what's further to the west from there, Jeff? Is it just what rock, or is it just rock in front of it, or what's in front of it? On the oh west no, side? she has a, her her backyard's pretty full of foliage. Okay, so out out to the other side of this is all lawn or, or shrubs. Yeah, it's shrubs. Okay, well that that should help quite a bit. You know, and if you can get one big enough and more established, it might do better. Um, or she yeah, could just they, plant a bougainvillea, which would just do fantastic. <laughs> you know? well, I know they would, and she, that's what I said. I'm like, e-, she's like, ah, I just don't like those things. But <laughs> I understand. Know, I, think, I think that's for birds go to impale themselves. And yes. Like, well, maybe, but. You know what might do better for her might be a bower vine, but you know, you're, you're, I think you're on the right track planting in the fall, you know, trying to get, okay. once the plant gets enough mass to shade the wall, it'll, it'll work. You know, but for bower vines, they produce like a pretty flower. Yeah. There's, there's one that's a pink one and there's one that's a white one and okay. they, they bloom a lot and they'll take a little more heat than the, the pink. Uh, so that's my next question. They're a little bit more sturdy. They are. Okay. Well, Brian, thank you much, sir. And I think, you know, along your lines, trying to get something established and big enough and enough foliage on it, you know, by planting in the fall so it can cover the wall for the, you know, for the summer, it's going to make a big difference. Okay. I appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Bye-bye. Uh, let's see. Next, we have uh, Jerry and Tolleson. Good morning, Jerry. Hey, good morning there. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about Roundup. Mm-hmm. Um, I pretty much... Uh, we like to eat organic foods here, and uh, I'm concerned about the Roundup issue when it gets used on food crops. 
Um, how well, Jerry, you know, we're it. certified like in our citrus orchards, organic. So we can't right. use glyphosate in our citrus growth. So, no. you know, no. that pretty much has got us out there hoeing a lot. And what we tried it, and we can't use the pre-emergence either. You know, the only ones we could use would be like corn gluten mill and things, which really don't have much of effect. So we have right. to culturally try to work things where most of our citrus orchards, well, they have one in the East Valley that we just dislike crazy because, you know, we haven't had it set up and it's got a lot of weeds. And once you disc weeds, you plant weeds. But our big grove down in Hyder, what we do is we have a no-till grove. So in that grove, we, we don't go through and till or disc or do anything. It's all on drip irrigation. And by treating it that way, we don't, you know, encourage the weeds by turning more in. And we have to hand hoe 400 acres. So it's pretty expensive for us to keep our weeds out. But, you know, to keep it organic, we can't use glyphosate or any of these chemicals. Yeah, so in my vegetable garden, I got Bermuda grass growing everywhere. So um, to get around using Roundup, what would you say? Well, you could have solarized it. Now we're getting kind of late, but you could take black plastic and lay over the whole thing and heat it up for the summer and not plant anything in the vegetable garden. You know, and if you can get it hot well, enough, you can kill it. But, you know, Jerry, I'll tell you, if it were my own vegetable garden at home, you know, and if I'm not trying to sell the products as organic or, you know, I don't have to follow those protocols, what I would probably do is let the grass grow right now. I would spray it with glyphosate and kill it, and I'd come back and plant because that would be a very efficient, easy way to eliminate the Bermuda grass. And I'm not really worried about the toxicity in one application of glyphosate into a vegetable garden where I'm going to eat from. That's not a problem at all. You know, glyphosate is used, you know, in all kinds of agriculture in a very safe fashion when it's used correctly. You know, so I think it's a very useful herbicide. And I think to kill Bermuda grass, you know, in a garden, there's no easier complete way to do it than using glyphosate. So you don't have any problem with them use uh, this uh, Roundup Ready crops well, and, uh, well, the problem is, is they didn't, the amount of chemicals that we have to put on, okay? So like on cotton, for example, you know, cotton's a pretty good, you know, example that they have Roundup Ready cotton. And basically they've got it so that they can spray Roundup on it and kill all the weeds. Well, in the old days, they used to have hundreds of people have to go through and hand hoe the cotton, you know, and that's not going to be practical mm. anymore. And the no. amount of herbicides it takes to to use in addition, and, and, you know, for instead of the Roundup would be much more problematic than the Roundup itself is. So Roundup, that's a good example where it's used, you know, commercially and it makes a big difference. And it's like intermittent chloropids, another thing that way. I mean, we wouldn't be growing melons here in Arizona if we didn't use intermittent chloropids. So that comes to all the watermelons, all the cantaloupe. You know, we're huge cantaloupe suppliers for the whole country out of out of Arizona. And the reason why we are is because we can control the white flies. Now, we didn't have white flies here before like 1982 or 83. But once the white fly showed up, you know, until we could use this intermittent chloropid, we couldn't grow cantaloupes or we couldn't grow cotton. And so now they've got this intermittent chloropid. But, you know, good farmers use it correctly. And the thing about it is if we knock these pests down to manageable counts and we don't have to put that much chemical on, everything 
anything we do to, to reduce the amount of chemicals we use in our environment, you know, is good for our environment. So, you know, I, I, I'm not one who's ever going to be against uh, genetic, you know, modification of plants because we're trying to get the biggest yields we can here on the least acres to feed the most people, you know. And so we've got to accomplish these goals, and we don't want to do things to corrupt our environment. But if we can do things to enhance our environment that are safe agriculturally and make good sense, I, I think we should do them, Jerry. Yeah. But hey, okay. Jerry, I gotta let you go. I gotta take a break. But yeah, thanks for the call today and have a nice day. We'll be right back after the short break with the Woodfield Nursery Garden Show. In the meantime, we have a couple lines available. We've got Cecilia, the one ringing, and then it could be you, the number to call 602 277 5827 277 KTAR. You're missing every trees of all kinds of sizes and shapes whatever your dream is come out and see us maybe we can help make it your own garden of eden your own reality there in the backyard there's plenty of things to grow here whether you want to grow you know native plant species like acatillos and saguaros or if you want to grow beautiful desert shade trees like ironwoods and and some that are genetically a little different you know our, our american mesquites across between four different trees an arizona mesquite argentinian it's got a little chilean in it a little texan and that four genes all mixed up makes this beautiful special tree that doesn't break in the wind and roots very deep so whatever your dreams are whether it be tropical palms, desert palms, you want to grow your own dates for fruit and eat the beautiful harvest that's you know, easy to do here in the desert. Or if you want to grow citrus trees of all different varieties, come out and see us. We deliver plant and guarantee. We're licensed, bond insured. No job's too big, none's too small. Whether you want one tree for your backyard or a thousand for your development, we do it all with Phil Nursery. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale. We're in the East Valley at Cooper, which is the same as Stapley and Guadalupe, or 
2670 Southern Avenue, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And Monday through Saturdays, if you happen to live down in Maricopa or Casa Grande, you can stop by our nursery in Stanfield, Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of Interstate 8. Whitfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here in the Valley and all over the state for Arizona's future. You know, we're having a lot of fun right now up at our tree farm. Well, it's not really a tree farm. It's more of our flower farm up in Taylor, Arizona. Now, that's not really open to the public. We grow a lot of our roses and beautiful geraniums and things there, getting ready for the fall season. So we're going to have a great harvest up there. And this year, the weather has been fantastic and lots of rain in the mountains, which is just wonderful for our environment, wonderful to keep the fires down and great for replenishing our resources in the reservoirs. Uh, we've got plenty of time for a few more calls. The number to call, 602-277-5827. Give Shira a call and you could be up after Cecilia and Daisy here in the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Cecilia, good morning. Good morning. I have a quick question about my Texas olive tree. The leaves are curling. Okay, they shouldn't be so much this time of year. They should be pretty happy after that monsoon rain. Uh, is it still blooming, Cecilia? No, it just had one little clump of blooms. That's it. Okay. It's about a year old. Have you used any herbicides, any weed killers around at all? Oh, no, not at all. Okay, so here's what I would do with it. I'd feed it right now. Okay, and make sure it's getting a good deep irrigation at least once a week. And it should start to pop and, and really grow with this weather. This is the perfect, ideal growing climate for that Texas olive. And it should really come out and pop and, and grow pretty fast right now. So feed it. You can feed it with miracle Grow, citrus food, 10-10-10, doesn't matter. And uh, deep water it heavy once a week. All righty. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Cecilia. Have a nice Sunday. Bye-bye. You do. Bye. Uh, Daisy and AJ. Good morning, Daisy. Oh, good morning. Thank you for answering my call. I have three questions. I hope it's not too many because it's close to nine o'clock. Yeah, it's no problem, Daisy. You, you got you got the floor now. You're on it, baby. Okay, <laughs> let me make it really, really quick. Uh, okay, first of all, how do you keep succulent alive? I buy this little succulent plant. And, well, uh, Daisy, there's dying. a lot of different ones, okay, and not all of them thrive here. You know, some are, are, are very easy. Okay, you could take all the elephant foods and those kind of things are very easy. A lot of the aloes are very easy, okay. but the, no, I mean the indoor indoor plants. Well, in, indoor succulent indoor succulents are going to want to be on the dry side, so you got to uh, be careful not to overwater. Okay, yeah. they want to get dry and they're going to want a lot of light. Okay, so they want to be like in a window or a place where they're going to get a lot of light. But probably the biggest way to kill succulents indoors is overwatering. And right. uh, they and might only—they just die. Well, they, you know, a lot of them could be watered probably once every two or three weeks. Okay, how so, do you water them from the top? Or water from them the from the top and let the water leach through the pot and go and drain out the bottom. But they're uh -huh. going to typically be grown in a fairly light soil mix when you purchase them. And if you grow them, you want to grow them in a light soil mix. But indoors, the biggest death is going to be overwatering. Uh-huh. Okay, that's my problem. Uh, how do I know when they need to be watered? Well, you can almost look at a lot of the succulents, and you can see when the leaves start to dehydrate a little bit. So you'll see uh -huh. them almost start to shrink. They they want to be on the dry side, and, and you can okay. certainly easily rot them indoors. Okay. And I have African violet. How do I make it bloom? Ooh, those are kind of hard. So with African violets, they like a lot more acidic soil than we have. Are you a coffee drinker? 
Uh, not really. Okay, <laughs> then you're probably not going to, unless you're going to go by somewhere and pick up some coffee grounds. But that's a good way to keep the soil more acidic. Um, you could actually add a little bit of vinegar to them once in a while if you want to. Um, okay. You know, and, and regular vinegar is going to be about 5 to 7% acid. And so okay. if you would water them with, you know, a water mixture with, you know, probably add one-fourth vinegar to your water and do that like mm-hmm. every third or fourth irrigation, that's going to keep the pH down. And if you can keep the pH down and give them pretty good light, they'll bloom better. But they don't want us. They don't like our water because our water is too alkaline, and that's why they're oh. not not grown here a lot. And um, okay. so they're going to take some real special care. And African, you know, African violets are going to be, you know, hardy, hard, harder to grow here than most plants because of their requirements for more acidic soil. I see, but they're indoors, so I. Well, just... but our water that comes out of your spigot's going to have a pH of about eight point two, and they like a pH okay. below seven. So, so just, I just a cup, add a couple of drops of vinegar. Well, more than a couple of drops. You know, if you really wanted oh. to to grow them, what you would really want to do is get some litmus paper or something to test the water. And if you would oh. water them with with water, so if you could add vinegar to the point where you took the pH down below seven, and if you did oh. that, they'd be very happy. And they're you know, oh, and okay. once the water Water's corrected. They're really fairly easy to grow, but they just don't like our pH. Oh, okay. Okay. Shall I put it by the window? Yes, and, and fairly bright light for indoor light. Not not like in a west facing window where the sun's going to come and beat on it, but like in a in a north or south facing window that thrive. And if you'll fix the oh. water and keep the pH right, and then you can buy African violet fertilizer that's made for those, and that's going oh. to be a more acidic based fertilizer. And, and we carry it in our nursery. Most any nursery is going to carry it. But oh, if okay. you use like an African violet type fertilizer, you can even order it on the internet. It's going to have a lot lower pH as well. Okay. And other questions. We're going away for like. You know what? I, I got to put you on hold. I'll take you off the air because I got to say goodbye. Okay. Hold on. And I'll take uh, Bernice off the air as well. Appreciate the calls today, folks. Hope you enjoyed the program. Remember, we all are one people. We, we come quite mixed. You know, none of us are really pure anything. It's just nice to be a human being. And as human beings, we should love and cherish each other and realize that as we watch all these sports teams, they don't win with all quarterbacks. You know, it takes some diversity to make a team, to make a country. And that diversity that we share here in America is what makes America special. And we have to, you know, really support that with with everybody, whether it comes to religion, color, race, faith. I mean, we are a country that's supposed to work as a team and have independence and rights for everyone. We'll be back with you next Sunday. Enjoy your week. And I hope you enjoyed being part of the Whitfield Street Garden Show.